that God would spend time with us, uh, with all the people that have been created in the world and all the people that are calling for him yet. Father, how wonderful it is to be able to meet with you today, to come into your throne room, as you've said, that we are to come boldly to the throne of grace to ask for help in time of need. And Father, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we have that precious privilege. We have the opportunity to come into the God who loves us. You, Heavenly Father, love us. And Lord, as we said earlier, that you load us with your benefits your mercy, your grace, your support. And Father, to you we are worthy. We are a vessel that is, is worth something. Lord, I thank you that you have made us and created us as you have. Lord, with our talents and our abilities to be able to praise you and give you the glory. And Lord, today we pray that as we study thy word, that your spirit would teach us and instruct us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given to us and to guide us into all truth. And Lord, I pray today that you'd give me your words, that you'd guide my thoughts. And Lord, may I speak the words that you'd have me to speak. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. You know, this book called the Bible is a wonderful book. It reveals to us the wisdom of our God. It provides to, for, to us answers for life's questions. How did I get here? People say, well, pastor, how did I get here? I wish I knew how I got here. Well, you say, well, there's a mom and a dad. That's how I got here. No, a little bit beyond that. How did we get here? The world was created by God. All things are created by him. Life is given by God. It is God who sustains us. And, and ask us the, answer the question. The Bible answers the question for us. Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Folks, may I share with you that God created us with a purpose in mind. He didn't, he didn't just create man with no purpose. He created us with a purpose in mind, to bring glory and praise and honor to him. Uh, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, 
We are not our own. As a Christian, we're not our own. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. And where am I going when I die? That answer is found in the word of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body. If I know Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For those who know not the Lord Jesus Christ, God says it's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There's a place that awaits us. We can know uh, in that place, for those that do not know Jesus Christ, a place called hell. Uh, it was not created for man originally. It was created for Satan and his angels when they fell. But folks, may I share with you today that the word of God has the answers to the questions of your heart and the questions of your life. It gives comfort to the hurting. I think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head with oil. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the most quoted psalms to give comfort and encouragement to people is Psalm 23. The word of God gives great comfort. It shares with us God's amazing plan of salvation, the redemption of man, and the forgiveness of our sins. God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We find that God loves us. Folks, may I share with you today, there is someone who loves you. There is someone who cares for you. Whether you're listening by live stream or not, uh, if you're here in the auditorium, if you're out in the parking lot, may I share with you, there is a God who loves you. You say, well, I don't know. If I could just see God, then I would know that he loves me. Can I tell you something? We have a more sure word of prophecy, the Bible says, than even hearing God speak from heaven. It's found right here in his word. God says, I want you to know I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible provides hope not only for, for the present world but also for that which is to come. Jesus said in John 14, verses 1 down through verse 6, let not your heart be troubled. Are people's hearts troubled today? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Thomas saith, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ right now is preparing a place for you in heaven. You know, I'm just amazed, as, as Tony was singing that song, I, I stand amazed. Six days God took in creating all that we say, and yet for over 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing a place for us. Can you imagine how wonderful that place is? How wonderful that is. It reveals to us how we as Christians are to order our steps, and to walk if we are to have God's blessing. Turn with me, keep your finger in First Thessalonians, but go to Psalm chapter 15. People say, well, Pastor, I wish it was just practical. I wish I could understand. But how, how I should walk on a daily basis. What, what would please the Lord? Well, Psalm 15, verse number 1, it says, Lord, 
Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Notice, he that walketh uprightly. Now, he's not talking in this idea, in this context, about walking straight, in, in the sense of physically walking straight, but he's talking here about walking straight morally. Today, people say, well, are you straight or you're not? Uh, some people wear an earring in their ear to say, well, I'm a straight or I'm not. Can I tell you something? God says, if we're going to dwell with the Lord, we need to walk uprightly. We, not, we need to be walking in accordance to his path, his way, his life. His, uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He's the moral truth. And you and I, we need to be walking in his path. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. Folks, you know, it's not just enough to know what God's word is. The Bible tells us here that we need to work in righteousness. That we need to put our hands, if you would, to the work of God, working righteousness, doing the things that are right, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. You say, well, pastor, that uh, I'm not supposed to be a backbiter. Well, that word in the Hebrew idea means to spy out or to be a tattle bearer, a tail bearer. One who's, you know, uh, a tail, uh, a tattletale. Have you ever been around people like that? I remember growing up, kids would say, well, don't be a tattletale. Uh, don't, don't go telling everything, you know, about people. It's, you know, there's some people that just like to be a tail bearer. Well, God says, if I'm going to walk with God, if I'm going to dwell where God is, I'm not going to be a, a backbiter. I'm not going to be a tail bearer. Um, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt. Folks, may I share with you as you stop and think about that for a moment. A person who's a wicked person, we ought not to say, oh, that's a good person. God says, let me tell you something. When you have the, the understanding of God, if you're going to dwell where God is, God does not look down on the evil of this world and say, well, that's okay, that's good. No, God doesn't look that way. He tells us here, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, we need to love the sinner and hate the sin. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. Those who fear the Lord are to be honored. You know, when we have missionaries or when we have evangelists, when we have uh, folk like that in our church, people that, that have served God or doing things for God, folks, we ought to honor those people. I know that this kind of may kind of rattle some people, but can I tell you something? Some of those that are in our government that are standing up for truth and right and that are Christians that are living for God, we ought to honor those people. We ought to. Well, pastor, people won't like it. I don't care. God says it. We ought to honor those people. It's not easy to, honor, uh, to, to live a life that's right and pleasing with God. We ought to honor those people. He that sweareth to his own hurt and then changeth not. Uh, in other words, giving your word and standing by it. He that putteth not out his money to usury. Uh, that idea there is taking, putting money out. And, and uh, there's back in these times, people would put money out, but they put a high interest to it. And uh, so they get a whole lot more than what they loaned out. He says, hey, that person doesn't use int uh, interest when he's doing it to, the, to his, uh, those that are, that are around him. Nor taketh re re uh, reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Folks, can I tell you something? This is God's plan. You say, well, Pastor, that's kind of the direction I'm, I am in my life. Th those things that they're talking about, there's some things I'm working on, but you know what? That's the direction of my life. God says, let me tell you something. You will not be moved. God says, you're going to be on, you're on the right path. You're going the right direction. That's the place where God is. Hey, one day we're going to be in heaven, and all those things you just got done reading about, that's how heaven's going to be. That could be pretty exciting, isn't it? 
It'll be a little different. When Jesus comes to rule and reign, that's going to be the standard for righteousness down here. That's going to be exciting. He said, Pastor, it'll never happen on earth. It will when Jesus comes. Jesus prayed. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One day it's going to be like that down here. But that's when Jesus comes. You know, this book is an exciting book. It's a life-changing book. Today we're going to be considering the Bible, a book to believe and heeded. The Apostle Paul, as he's commending the, the uh, Thessalonian believers for their attitude of, and acceptance of God's word, how do you view the Bible? How do you look at the Bible? Well, Pastor, you know, I, 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 the Bible is just another book. I'll tell you what, it's not just another book. Can I encourage you in, in your thinking? When you come to the house of God, you, come, you ought to come with the Bible, your Bible in hand. You ought to. Some of you, go, how many of you guys like, going, like to go hunting? When you go hunting, what, what is one of the important things that you take with you? Your gun. Boy, pastor, I'm going to go out and go hunting. And so can you imagine, hunter, going on, I mean, you've practiced. I mean, you've got everything all lined up. I mean, you could hit right in the, right in the bullseye. And, and you go out, I'm going to go hunting for elk, Brother Randy. And you know what? I leave my gun at home. <laughs> hey, Pastor, that's crazy. You spent all this time. You've spent all the money. You've spent all the, the, uh, the labor to get it. Exactly. When we come to the house of God, we ought to bring our Bible. It's the place that we get a chance to use this book. And we get a chance to look at what is being said and to verify what is being said. I can read the word of God for myself. Praise God for the Bible. We've got the Bible that we can study and we can know what God says. And when people ask us questions, we can give a definitive answer because we can look and say, let me just show you from the Bible. My in-laws, before they got saved, we'd go down and we'd visit with, with them and and uh, my father-in-law had told me many years before, he said, now, Phil, he says, I believe that religion is a private and personal thing. I said, yes, sir, I believe that too. He says, but i had given him the gospel. He says, don't you ever tell me that. Don't, don't talk to me about that again. But you know what? I said, yes, sir, I wanted to respect him, but he couldn't stop me from praying for him. <laughs> couldn't stop me from living for the Lord Jesus Christ in front of him. And you know what? We did that, and we endeavored to do that. And when we would go down, and uh, they, they'd, you know, he'd said, don't ever talk to me about that. And we'd go down, and, and we'd uh, spend, you know, spend some time with them. And in the evening, when everybody else was going to bed, they said, you know what? Uh, Phil, can I ask you a few questions? There, you know, the things that are going on in the world today, does the Bible have anything to say? And then they would give me this topic. And then I said, well, let's, let's look at what the Bible says. And we'd go through what the Bible says. And then they would have another one, and then have another one, and then have another one. And I'd be up to like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning answering questions. You know what? That's God working. Amen. Folks, can I tell you something? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And your Christian life and how you live your Christian life is so important, not only for yourself, but to those that are around you. Because they want to see that it's real. It's not just a facade. You know, there are so many things are fads. They come and they go. But when you live for Jesus and he gets a hold of your heart and he changes your life as, life as we're going to see in just a moment with these Thessalonian believers, their life was different because of hearing God's word and, and taking God's word into their life and letting Jesus live his life through them. How do you view the Bible? 
How do you view it? How do, you, do you love to read the pages and learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ? And to learn more about your God? And to learn more of how he thinks? Do you open God's word and expect him to teach you and to guide you through his word? Well, pastor, you know what? You tell me I'm supposed to spend time in the word. Well, I've done my duty. Can I tell you something? That You're not going to get much. It's just like when you went to school. You, how many uh, spent time doing just the bare minimum sometimes when you didn't want to have to do English? <laughs> English was horrible. But, you know, you have to have English in order to get through. And uh, sometimes I would do, I'd try to do my best, but there were times when you're talking about nouns and adjectives and adverbs and pronouns and all, all that type of stuff. You've got to remember all these, all of the, the, the different uh, different little nuances of it. Man, this is the most boring. When am I ever going to use this again? And, and you go through, the, go through it. And I know none of you ever had that problem, but I did. But I found out that I really needed to understand that. And the thing is, the, the, the thing is true with the Word of God. You really need to know what God's Word has to say. So today, as we look at this portion of Scripture, we understand that the Bible is a book to be believed and then heeded. Notice, as we look at this portion, a receptive heart towards the Bible here in this portion, in verse 13, look back, or verse number, uh, verse 13, it says, For this cause, Paul speaking, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because he, he thanked God for these people of Thessalonica because when ye received the word of God, ye received, uh, received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men but as in a truth, the word of God. The Apostle Paul thanked God for the Thessalonian believers' response to the word of God. How did they receive it? How did they respond? They received it as the truth, straight from the mouth of God. When Paul spoke, the people said, you know what? God's speaking to us. Now, remember, as we talk about the church of Thessalonica, he was only there for three Sabbaths. Some people say, well, he was there for two months. We, we don't know, except what the scriptures tell us, and the Bible says he was there for three Sabbaths and, and, and reasoned with them and, and taught them the scriptures. And when they came to hear the word of God, it was like, give it to me. One of the exciting things about being around new converts, people, ah, I'm not saying, there's some people that, well, you know what, uh, just, just pray some words. And so people just pray some words, but they don't mean it in their heart. And when they don't mean it in your heart, uh, can I tell you, I, I, wonder, I wonder whether you're saved. I can't look in your heart. Wouldn't it be great if we had one of those, uh, uh, one of those wands or something and we could, we could hold it up to somebody and say, it says Christian. And they could read your heart. Well, it'd be a lot easier to find out where things are in situations in churches. That Christian, nope, not Christian. Yes, Christian, nope. God sees our heart. He knows whether he's in there. God, we have this assurance that God knows those that are his. He knows if he's living in your heart. He knows that. And when a person comes and they know Jesus as their Savior, they've asked him to come into their heart and into their life and to save them. What a difference that makes in their heart and life. And that new Christian, when he hears the word of God, it's like, give it to me. I, I, I want to have more. And, and give me what God, God, you're speaking to me today. There's a message that you want to get in my heart and in my life today. Someone has said about 
coming to the altars many times, the ones that come to the altar. Sometimes people say, well, pastor, if, they come to, if I come to the altar, people are going to think there's, you know, I'm not a mature Christian. Can I tell you something? When you're listening and wanting God to speak to you, God will speak to you. And sometimes the people that are at the altar the most, as some, one person said, are the people that are listening for God to speak. And when God's speaking, they're going to get to the altar and do their business with God. Say, oh, pastor, I'm, I don't want people to think less of me. Can I tell you something? It's not, when we come to church to worship, it's not about what others think about us. It's about what God thinks about us. And we better get that in our mind and understand it's what God thinks about us. One day we're going to stand before God and look, and, and he's going to judge, how, how did you live your life for me? What did you do? When I spoke to you, were you listening? Were you paying attention? These people, they received it as the word of God is straight from the mouth of God. They didn't question it. They believed it. They believed it. You know, as a teacher, it's easier to move ahead if, you are teach, if what you are teaching is accepted by those who are hearing rather than challenging every statement. I've been in, in church services when I've been preaching, and uh, I know folk, as they come and they have a question and, and, and they want to they clarify some things, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about situations sometimes when people are they're looking to pick things apart. And boy, I tell you what, they're, they're, they, they come like a shot to straighten you out. Well, can I tell you something? It's a lot easier when people say, hey, God, I want you to speak to me today. Speak. And instead of the great Galileo, he had been accused of infidelity because he asserted that the earth orbited around the sun, which was different than the common teaching of the Catholic Church at the time because they believed just the opposite. The, earth, or the sun rotated around the earth. When he was questioned by the Roman Inquisition as to his belief in the supreme being, he pointed to a straw lying on the floor in his dungeon, saying to his accusers that the structure of that trifling object would, uh, would infer with certainty the existence of an intelligent creator. And this is the welcome conclusion to which an attentive examination of the grass of the field inevitably leads. We can see that as we look at this, today we know the direction and what's going on. Folks, may I share with you today, when Paul spoke the truth, the people at Thessalonica believed what he said. As, as God was speaking to them, as his, was God, they didn't debate it, they didn't deny it, they didn't dismiss it as mere man's philosophies. Rather, they chose to accept what God was saying through the Apostle Paul. We must be willing to accept what the Lord says. It requires faith. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, pastor, that's just the beginning of the Bible. There's a significant statement right there. How did we get here? Genesis 1.1 starts the, uh, your authority from the very beginning. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to follow? Well, follow the what? We hear it. Follow the signs. We hear that all the time. Can I tell you something? We need to follow the Bible. We have science falsely so-called, which is called evolution. Evolution says that there is no God. Do you realize, as I've said before, up until like the 16th century, people believed that there was a creator, there was a being that, that did all this, but when 
uh, the 1600s, then all of a sudden things started changing. And man, you know, hey, we're pretty intelligent. No, we became more stupid. Because there is a God. We can see that there's a God. There is a creator. The Bible declares, for, for example, all, uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. Well, pastor, you know, I'm basically good. I, you know, I, don't, I don't sin at all. I remember in a history class in my, in my uh, sophomore year, in the, in the material that was taught in, our public, in the public school, it said this, man is basically good. I thought to myself, that's not what the Bible says. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I was just a young person and, and, and putting up against what they were saying and what God was saying. It was totally wrong. This was wrong. This is the truth. This Bible right here is the truth, folks. God just telling us and speaking the truth. It's appointed unto men once to die. Well, pastor, I'm not going to die. <laughs> well, let me just tell you something. Hebrews 9.27 says you will. It's appointed unto men once to die. I had a gentleman who sat right over here where uh, Brother uh, P is sitting right now. And he, was, he, he, uh, didn't, he, ne he didn't believe he was ever going to die. I just kind of smile. Can I tell you something? That's foolishness. Everyone's going to die. Unless we're, as a Christian, we're raptured up. But everybody's going to die. You know, how do I know that? Because God said it. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There are those who try to deceive us by claiming that they're speaking the truth. You know, there's a lot of people that, out there today that are trying that. Just because a person uses the name of Jesus or claims to be speaking from God, he or she may not be telling us the truth. Christians, can I tell you something? Don't be simple-minded. Well, pastor, they're using the name of Jesus, so it must be Bible. It must be right. We have, we have uh, today we can, we can go and we can go on YouTube and we can go on uh, Facebook and we go on all these different uh, social media platforms and, and people are telling all their thoughts and all that they are coming up with. And, and, and giving out all this type of stuff, and you'll hear people use the name of Christ, and people will say, Pastor, have you listened to this person? Boy, he's such a wonderful person. And so many times I've listened to him, and I'm sitting there saying, Oh, goodness. Oh, they had, a, they had a blog on YouTube, and it was just wonderful. It was exciting. Yeah, and I've listened to it, and I say, It's not what the Bible says. These people have taken the scriptures, and they've twisted it, and, and they perverted what the Word of God says. You know, in Paul's day, there were people that were claiming to be the apostles of Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Keep your finger here in 1 Thessalonians, but go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. The apostle Paul in his day had people that, that were saying, hey, you know what? We're an apostle. We're apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, they used the name. But notice what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 13. He says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They were transforming themselves. Do you know that Satan can be whatever you want him to be? If you're looking for the ugly side, Satan can do that. They're grotesque. It's very obvious in the, in, in the movie world and the things that are, that are being portrayed in that regard. You know, I think back of Freddy Krueger and some of those evil, wicked-looking things. Satan can, if that's, what, if that's what rings your bell, if you would, Satan can do that. 
He does a lot of that with the video games and things like that. He knows how to, to, to get people's attention. He can transform himself also into an angel of light, as he's going to say here in a moment. And notice what he says, these deceitful workers. And he says, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform, uh, be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You want, to talk about, you want to talk about God? I'll talk about God with you, they say. But they're talking about another God. They're, they talk about another Jesus. They talk about, they, they talk about going, uh, they talk about uh, all uh, religions are going to go to heaven. It's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Here, the Bible tells us that we need to be careful. In fact, Jesus, in speaking about the last days before his second coming, he said this in Mark 13, verse 21 and 22, And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, there is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not, for false Christ and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. During the tribulation period, there are going to be people that are going to be claiming to be Christ. He's not going to be Christ. But they're going to do, they're going to do signs and wonders. Yeah, but it's not, it's not the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's so easy, as I said, to, to post something on YouTube. But Christians must, must check things out and check the truth out to see if what is said is so. Uh, we're told to examine what we hear and not just to listen to those that are uh, just speaking error to us. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 John 4, verse number 1. 1 John 4 and verse number 1. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because, notice, many false prophets are gone out into the world. Look at 1 Thessalonians, go back there to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. We're to test all things. What you hear, you need to test. You need to prove it. You need to look at it and examine it in the light of God's word. The believers in Berea uh, searched the scriptures to see if what Paul said was so. Go with me to, first, uh, to Acts chapter 17. Paul had been with the church at Thessalonica. And right after that, they left and they, they uh, went to the church of Berea. Or to the, 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 this place called Berea. And there was believers that were there. And in Acts chapter 17, verse number 11, and the Bible says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Now notice... The people in, in Thessalonica received the word with all readiness of mind. Man, give it to me. I'm ready. But notice. And, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. You say, Pastor, you know what? When they came to Berea, what, I, what we think that this means is simply this. When Paul got up and started preaching the word, they said, you know what? We don't believe it, Paul. We're going to check it out in the scriptures. That's not what it says because that first part of it said how their heart was. They received the word with all readiness of mind. And, and is a conjunction. Not only did they receive the word of God, but then they searched the scriptures 
to see if what he was saying was so. They wanted to be able to give a defense. When other people would ask him questions, they could go to the scriptures and open the word of God and show them from the word of God. Folks, that's what you and I, we ought to do as Christians. We ought to search the scriptures. When you hear preaching from the word of God, you hear it from this pulpit or, or another pulpit or even over the, over the radio, we, not, we ought to, to search the scriptures. You know, there's a, there's a lot of good preachers out there. There's a lot of good preachers that are preaching the word of God up and down this valley. Some people say, well, you know what? Uh, and I've heard, this, I've heard this said. I've been in, in pastor's conferences. There's no, there's no good church. When we used to be in California for years, you could come to Montana and they'd have pastor conferences and people would say stuff like this. There's no good church in California. I'm thinking, let me ask you a question. Have you been to every church in California? Number two, I used to be in California. And they would say, there's no good church in California that's preaching the word of God. I know of several. People that are preaching the word of God that are standing upon the truth. Folks, can I tell you something? Galilee Baptist Church is not the only church that's preaching the word of God up and down this valley. There are other good churches that are preaching the word of God, that are standing upon the truth of God's word. And I'm just here today to, to encourage you to realize and to understand we're not the only ones. But there are some that are preaching the word of God. And here, in this, as we look at these things, we need to examine to hear is what they're saying. Is it the word of God? Is it the truth? As we look at what they're saying, can it be backed up by the word of God? Is it, so that when we go and we're talking with other people, and we're talking about the fact of salvation, hey, I can take you to the scriptures and share with you how you can be saved. Let me ask you today, could you do that? So, well, Pastor, that's, that's pretty basic. I know. It's amazing how many Christians can't do that. In fact, people start fumbling when you start asking, can you lead somebody? Uh, 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 so how long have you been saved? Well, uh, uh, 10 years. The basics of Christianity, you ought, to, you ought to be hungry for. Hey, I want to be able to, to share what Jesus has done in my life with somebody else on that, so they can get saved. That's the basics of Christianity. We ought to be able to do that. We ought to be able to defend our faith in Jesus, about Jesus Christ. We ought to be able to take the word of God and start saying, well, let me just see. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Could you go and take people to a point and say, you know what? Jesus was not just a myth. He was a real person. He was, a, he was God in the flesh. Could you take the scriptures and show them that? I say, well, pastor, that's for you people. That's for you pastors. Let me tell you something. Even if I wasn't a pastor, and there was a time when I wasn't a pastor, I still wanted to know about my God and my Savior. I wanted to be able to defend my faith. I was witnessing a long time before I was ever a pastor, talking to people about Jesus. When people would ask me questions, I'd say, you know what, that's a good question. I don't have the answer, but I will go and study it, and I will come back and give you an answer. Number one, first of all, it shows that you're humble. And number two, the fact that you get a second opportunity to talk to them about the gospel. And you learn as you search the scriptures. But we need to search the scriptures to see if what is being said. These people at the, uh, Berea, boy, they search the scriptures. I want to be able to share with others what is the truth. What is the truth? Can I share with you that we're told not to listen to those who don't speak the truth? 
Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 27. I know that people say, well, pastor, you've got to have an open mind. Well, you need to look at some things in the scriptures. Some people have an, a mind that's so open that they can't hold any, any conviction. They're open to every view and every thought that comes along. Well, pastor, everybody's got a view. Absolutely. But as a Christian, as a child of God, we need to understand God has some things when I, I'm not supposed to be listening to somebody who's speaking error, especially about the things of God. Well, pastor, I just go to this church, and, and as I go to this church, they're teaching uh, baptismal regeneration. If you know what that means, you go to the baptismal pool, that you go in, that that's what washes away your sin. We studied in Sunday school this morning. It's not, it's not works of righteousness. It's the blood of Jesus Christ which take, which. Gets, removes our sins. It's by faith when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, it's the blood of Christ that washes away our sin. If I go to that church and they're teaching baptismal regeneration, can I tell you something? I'm not supposed to be listening to that. You say, well, how do you know? Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 27. He says here, cease, my son, Solomon is speaking, cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. Well, pastor, you know what? I'm in school, and they're telling me about evolution, so I have to listen. I have to accept that. No, you don't. No, you don't. You say, oh, pastor, well, you know, they're going to lower my grade. Well, then they just may lower your grade, but you need to stand up for Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, can I tell you something out in this work world? People have all sorts of mind, uh, mindset of all sorts of different things, and some of it's not godly. It's not according to the word of God. And when they're telling you, you know what, it's okay to drink and smoke and do all that type of stuff, can I tell you something? No, it's not, because God's word says it's, we're not to. We're to cease to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. That means there's some places, there's some, there's some teaching that we're not supposed to be listening to. But these people of Thessalonica, when it came to the pre preaching of God's word, they knew that God was speaking. And they said, give it to me. Folks, is that how your heart is? That Paul was rejoicing. Because you know what? There were times when Paul was preaching, that's not how people responded. As a, as a preacher, as one who preaches the word of God, it's, a, it's encouraging. It's, it's a blessing. It's a joy to be with people who want to hear the word of God. Notice the second thing that we see in this about the Bible as, you know, accepting the word of God. Are we listening to God's word? Are we testing the validity of what people are telling us? Notice the second thing, though, here in the, uh, the church in Thessalonica, the, the Bible had changed their life in verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Notice, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That word effectually worketh, uh, it's the idea, in the Greek it's the idea to display one's activity, to show one's self-operative. The word of God was working in their life. It was working in their life. The word of God was at work. You could see the evidence as their decisions and how they lived and what they did. We saw over in chapter 1 that, that they had received the word of God. In verse number 1, uh, verse 5, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost 
and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us of what manner entering in we had unto you, and how that ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. How was their life changed? Hey, man, we're leaving these idols, these old dumb idols that we've been following. We've been praying to those, you know, we've been praying for these, to these idols before. They, they, they can't hear, they can't speak, they can't help us. We've got to carry them from place to place. Well, why should we keep following them? We're going to follow the true and the living God. And they went about sharing the gospel with all the people that were around them about the new God, the true and living God that they had received. Their life was different. Their life had been changed. You know, the word of God was at work. You know, the doctor demands entire obedience from his patients in all that pertains to medicine, diet, rest, and exercise. For, for example, some of you have gone to the doctor, and you know, the doctor says, well, now you're supposed to get, uh, you, you've got this leg condition, and you're, you're recovering from this. You better take it easy and, and, not to, and not strain that. You know, you need to be up and keep your leg up and all this type of stuff. And you know what? Some of us, we become proud. Well, I, he knows what he's talking about, but I know far better. And so we get out and we do something goofy. And so then we're back in the hospital. And, uh, or, you know, he says, well, you know, you should have this type of diet. Well, I don't have to. They're not going to tell me what to do. You've got this condition. This will take care of the condition. This will help you. You know, the patient's friends uh, may wish for that, that patient to, to, uh, not to, not to go through that, or that, that therapy that seems so hard and so difficult. They, they you know, ooh, you shouldn't have to go through that. I remember um, there was a pastor friend of ours that had been in a car accident, and, and his, he was a quadriplegic. And he says, he would tell me, he says, you know what, it's time for my therapy. I said, okay. He says, you can stay if you want. And I said, no, I think I'll, I said, what is it like? He says, well, they have to, they have to take me and twist me. And so, you know, I, you know, I've been through watching people doing therapy, riding on bikes and stuff. I mean, when they're talking about twisting and turning, he, he couldn't use any function. So the, therap the therapist would come in and his legs, and they'd take them and start bending them all over, all over the place. And I started feeling sick. I mean, they're twisting this way. Well, he can't feel it. And they're twisting that way, and they're twisting this way. And, they, and, and he says, well, if they don't do that, he says, everything starts to calcify, and then, then I'm in real trouble. So they have to do this. And, and as a friend, I'd say, oh, no, don't, don't, don't make them go through that. But you know what? The doctors knew what was better. The doctors knew what was better. You know, not because the doctor loves to lord over people, but his care for the patient and their health demands the, the direction and the care for them. You know, getting ready to have a colonoscopy here in, in a little bit. And you know, I thought by now they would have come up with an easy way of doing this. Last time it was bad. This time I went to get the stuff to, to prepare for this and they had this big old bottle of stuff. And they said, now, we, the, the pharmacist says, now you're gonna have to take three quarters of this 
you know, before this time period. Uh, and then you take, and four hours before the, the thing, that, you'll say I'm going in at 8 o'clock. And that, so that means at 4 o'clock in the morning, I have to drink the last third of this stuff. And this stuff is nasty. I mean, at least they could make it like bubble gum or something sweet or something good. Uh, I know that this stuff is horrible. I mean, it, it, it's, ugh. And, and, and so they, they go through all of this type of stuff. Now, I could say, I'm going to have my coffee in the morning. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to eat a steak and eggs, a, a chicken fried steak. I'm going to have that before I go. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You won't be going in. And it's not because the doctor doesn't know. The doctor knows what he wants to accomplish. He wants to know so I don't have to come back through it the second time. May I share with you that when you consider the things about the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, His orders are for our health. It's for us. It's to change us. It's for our benefit. It's out of His love He's speaking to us and say, Thou shalt not. It's not because He hates us. It's because He loves us. Sometimes people say, well, God's taking away all my fun. No, he's trying to protect you. My parents used to always say when I was growing up, I always had to be in before 11 o'clock. And I never sat back and said, well, you know what? The other kids, the other kids, they get to stay out until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I knew one thing about my parents. My parents loved me. And it wasn't easy. In the day in which we lived, to follow the rules that had been set forth. Set forth. But I knew one thing, because see, I knew what some of those young people were doing in those late hours, because they would come back and they'd brag about it. It was evil, wicked stuff that they should never have done. I'm talking about kids in our youth group. Folks, I'm here today to tell you that when God tells you don't do something, it's for your benefit. When God tells you to do something, it's for your benefit. Are you applying the word of God to your everyday life? Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, then shalt thou have good success. You want to have good success? Spend time meditating in God's word and applying what God says to do. Folks, can I tell you something? Preaching the word of God... All I'm doing is trying to bring you to a point of decision in some, with regard to some things in your life. But may I share with you, your Christian life and your growth really goes beyond outside these, these walls. When you study and, and look at the Word of God for yourself and you start praying, you can read and understand the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a wonderful verse. If you've never memorized it, you've never written it down, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Hey, trust God. Don't lean to your own understanding. Well, I think, well, wait a minute, what does the Bible say? Well, God says this, I'm thinking this. God says, don't think that way. Trust me, and I'll show you the right path. Are you thinking God's thoughts after him? You know, this is God's thoughts, folks. God reveals to us his thoughts. 
As you memorize, as you meditate, you start thinking God's thoughts. You start thinking God's way. Have you ever gone in a direction that's wrong? And you've had to go back and change? If you just follow what God says, his ways are always right. They're always holy, always right. Notice the third thing that, that Paul was thanking the, thanking the Lord for these people here in Thessalonica. Not only for the way that they received the word of God, but that the word of God was working in them. But they, they, under, uh, they stood for Jesus and the Bible. And uh, because they stood, there was persecution. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 15, or 14, excuse me. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, uh, even as they of, of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and, the, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up all their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. The believers in Thessalonica found out very quickly that when you follow what the Lord says, you're going to suffer persecution. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You shall. It's not, you may, you shall. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When you take a stand for this word right here, there are going to be people that are not going to like what you, what you stand upon. They're not going to agree with what you stand upon. They're not going to agree with how you live your life. They're not going to agree how you spend your money. They're not going to agree with a lot of different things. And the Apostle Paul, as he's talking here, uh, he, he mentions different people that had uh, suffered persecution like that. As he says in verse number 14, For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. Those people in Judea were right around the place where Jesus was. Hey, those churches that were there, they were churches of the living God, those people that stood upon their principles. Guess what? They suffered persecution. Remember Paul? He knew about that persecution because he was the one that was going to different houses and people that claimed in the name of Jesus Christ and was hauling them in and, and uh, were, uh, uh, condoning their death and, and encouraging them to be put to death before he got saved. Paul knew about it. He says these people also, they, they persecuted the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it says right there, he says, who both killed the Lord Jesus. Folks, persecution, Jesus, he did no sin. They could, I find no fault in him is what Pilate said. And yet they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why? Because it was God's plan. They, they killed the prophets. The prophets were nothing more than God's spokesmen. They were chosen by God to proclaim the word of God. What did they do? They put the prophets of God to death. Paul says, even us, the companions of Paul, as he says in verse 15, they persecuted us, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. Don't you dare speak to those Gentile people. Don't give them the gospel. Tell you what, the devil doesn't like it when you give the gospel to somebody. Because it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I came across something that was rather interesting. It's called upsetting the world. It says, during the New Testament times, those who were actively sharing the gospel met opposition 
A case in point was Paul and Silas in Thessalonica. According to Acts 17, verses 1 through 9, these two personal workers were persuading and converting several people. They were, however, there were, however, those who were unconvinced, and they complained that the preaching was disruptive and upsetting. Remember, here was a girl that had come after the Apostle Paul, and she was saying, the, the servants of the living God. And she would come day after day, and she was mocking what they were saying. And Paul just had got, he had enough. And he turned around, and he commanded the demon that was in her to come out of her, because there was a demon that was in there. And she came out, and guess what happened? She was a changed person. And the people, she had been one that when they wanted to know about the future, they could come to this girl and she would tell them the future. How many people listen to horoscopes and all that garbage today? There are a lot of people, even so-called Christians, man, I've got to open the paper, or they've got to look online and see what my horoscope is today so I know what the direction I'm going. Folks, can I tell you something? That's straight from the pit of hell. And these people, when the Bible says when they saw that their hope of gain, the gain that they were getting from this girl that was telling the future, the, the palm reading, all that type of stuff, from this, this, young, this young lady was gone. Because she was different. That, that spirit was gone. They said, hey, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. They didn't trouble those, that city because they were Jews. They troubled that city because they were saved. And the power of God was upon their life. And they took him and they threw him. They took him to the authorities, as it says here. They took him to the authorities, and ultimately the two missionaries uh, were thinking, uh, were looking to, to flee by night, but they put him in prison. And remember there, that didn't stop them from preaching. At midnight, they were praising God. The joy of the Lord was their strength. Huh? I was thinking about that this morning. That's our theme for the, theme for the year. About those that love thy name will have joy. Folks, can I tell you something? I thought of Paul and Silas. At midnight, they were praising God and rejoicing. The Lord is good. Tell it wherever you go. They've been just got done be getting beaten. They're in jail. And when the earthquake came, and all the doors were open, and all the bands were gone, boy, let's just get out of here right now. No, the, they were concerned about that jailer, because the jailer says, man, all these people have died. I'm going to kill myself. And Paul says, hey, do yourself no harm, for we're all here. He came in, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And he got saved, and his whole house got saved. He shared that gospel with them. They all got saved and got baptized that night. Wow. But they were put in prison because they preached the gospel. This gentleman goes on to say, It might be hard for us to imagine such a thing happening today. We may believe that our beloved Bill of Rights would protect us from outlawing the outlawing of, of evangelism. The reality, though, is that the local newspaper recently reported on the front page an instance of religious freedoms in jeopardy. The article is about an 11-year-old in the norm school system who was told not to discuss the Bible or to pray during recess because a parent had complained that it was disruptive. The school district further states that the girl had infringed on the rights of other Christians. Greg Clark, who's the one that wrote this, comments and says, I have seen several things take place during recesses, both while a student and later a substitute teacher 
is present. Amongst other things, I saw boys fighting, girls arguing, hair uh, being pulled, kids uh, being picked on, and heard all, um, all sorts of foul language. I am wondering if a girl with six of her friends reading and praying could be any more disruptive or could be any more infringing on personal rights. I can remember the school days when Bibles on the bookshelf and lively religious discussions. We certainly did not consider ourselves religious fanatics and prospects of lawsuits. What has happened? Why are these things like, why are things like flag burning and Satan worship and obscene materials, forms of expression protected by the Bill of Rights, and yet 11-year-old praying is questionable? What would Paul and Silas do in a similar situation? Would they agree with the idea that religion should be confined to the church building? A quick look on the, on, at the text shows that in their case, they merely moved on to Berea and agitated and uh, converted people. A few more. It is true that there are people who purposely set out to cause disorder. On the other hand, I have personally been threatened by a local man simply for door knocking in his neighborhood. And that's happened here. We've had people pull their gun on us. The thing we need to remember in both cases is that Christians have never gone through a period when everyone was encouraging them to proclaim Jesus. There have always been those who, have, uh, who give strict orders not to continue teaching. It is in response to such charges that the first century proclaimers stood and said, we must obey God rather than men, Acts 5, 28 and 29. They knew that if they waited around on the majority vote, they would only end up talking to each other. Such a lifestyle for a disciple was and is unsatisfactory. The commandment of our Lord is still, go into all the world, even if the world gets a little upset. Let me ask you as we conclude this morning, do you have a receptive heart to the word of God? Do you listen when God speaks? Do you want God to speak to you? I pray that God has spoken to some of you this morning, challenged you in your life. Has the word of God changed your life? Has it affected your thought life, the things that you think about? Has it affected your friends and your goals and, and in the direction of your life? You say, well, Pastor, I'm just kind of the same way I used to be. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says when, when the Bible says, He that hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, if you're truly saved. Have you suffered because you have taken a stand for the Word of God? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, we won't read there, but it says, don't think it's strange when you endure such fiery trials. On your part, he is evil spoken of, but he is glorified. You standing for Jesus Christ, the power of God resteth upon you. Folks, I'm not telling us, saying that we ought to be uh, disruptive. We shouldn't be. But I'm telling you what, we just need to stand upon the truth of God's word. And we need to proclaim it. Because the word of God is still true. The Bible is a book to be believed and a book to be heeded. I pray that that's where you are today. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray today as we conclude this time in your word, I pray, God, that you would just help us to see the importance of believing your word as 
it is the true word of God. I pray, God, that you would uh, take, help us to take thy word and hide it in our heart that we might not sin against thee, to take it to a world that needs to hear of hope. And Lord, I pray that you would work in, life, in our life and through our life. May you help us to share the gospel to those around us. There we had bowed and every eye closed. I'm not sure if those who are saved, if you're saved in here today, but I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. God says you're a sinner, just like I am. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God commended his love toward you and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Jesus shed his blood as a payment for your sins. And today, if you'll believe that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and rose again for you. And you ask him to come into your heart, he will save you. And he'll cleanse you from your sin, all your sin, and give you a new life. You say, Pastor, I'd like to ask Jesus to be my Savior. If you're on live streaming, I, I pray that you'd stop and think about this as well. If you're not sure you're saved, today you can ask Jesus to be your Savior. You can pray a simple prayer like this if you really mean it in your heart, because it's out of your heart come the issues of life. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that you sent your wonderful son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world to die for me. He shed his blood. I believe what the Bible says. He was buried and rose again the third day. I want him to come into my heart and my life and save me right now. Please save me. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer right now and you asked Jesus to be your Savior, it's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And if you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you do me a favor to slip your hand up for just a moment as a testimony of what you just did? I'd love to pray for you if you'd allow me to do so. Dear Christian, let me ask you today, how are you in the light of God's Word? Are you standing upon the Word of God? Are you trusting what God said? Are you testing what others are saying? Oh, Pastor, that takes too much time. I'm not telling you to do that. God is telling you to do that. We need to know what God's word says, and then we need to believe what God says, because it is the truth. Maybe today, as you uh, consider your own life, the word of God has worked a little bit in you. God wants to work exceedingly abundantly in you. Won't you allow him to do so? Why don't you turn your life over to him in that area? Dear Father, we just pray for these that are here today that your word would bring us to that point of decision. And Father, may you uh, work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. As God speaks, we need to come to him today. What?